God first planted the seed of what would become my calling to ministry in my life when I was about nine years old. I know that's too early to understand a calling. It was, he just started planting a seed that would become a calling. I was about nine years old, give or take. As I became a teenager, I, I sensed that calling was youth ministry. When I could, I started in youth ministry and that calling became refined into the pastorate. And being a young man called to the pastorate, I knew what that meant. I knew that I was going to start out in a little church and then I was going to wind up in a big mega church and be a big somebody. I've wondered many times if God had told me as a college kid or as that teenager whose calling was being refined, certainly, certainly not when he started on me at nine, if God had told me you're going to stay in the same place this long. you're going to you're going to walk through pain with people in this place that I'm going to send you I wonder if I would have been able to say thy will be done But you see, he doesn't work that way. I think he knew that I couldn't have handled it. I would, have, I would not have understood it. I would have walked the wrong direction. And so instead, he said, teenager, you need to go to college. Yes, sir. College kid, you need to get a job in a church. Yes, sir. College graduate, you need to go to seminary. Yes, sir. Seminarian, you need, to, you need to go to a church where you can learn from a great mentor. Yes, sir. Seminary graduate, you need to go start your first pastorate. Yes, sir. The only way that I could, that I could live out my life the way it was planned was if he revealed it one step at a time. Because it's hard to say thy will be done when we don't know what that really is going to mean. How hard is it? Look at Jesus in the garden. You remember Jesus in the garden before he died on the cross? The garden called Gethsemane, which is the olive press. The pressure of the, of the press forces the juice from the olive. That's how they get the oil, and it is that same pressure in that garden, the garden named after the pressure. That's where Jesus was 
when he felt that pressure so strongly that he sweat as if drops of blood. And he said, don't make me do this. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's a hard thing to say. And God called Abraham. At that time, his name was Abram. He didn't say, Abram, here's what we're going to do, man. We're going to create a whole new nation out of you, buddy. And it's going to start with one kid. And I'm going to put you on the spot and tell you to kill that kid. No, instead, he just said, Abram, leave your town, leave your people, leave your stuff. And go to a place that I'll tell you later. Start a journey, but I'm not going to tell you where we're headed. You just start a journey with me. And trust me. Because Abram couldn't have seen the plan. So God revealed it step by step by step by step. My guess is, matter of fact, it's stronger than a guess. My confidence is that he works the same way in your life. He doesn't give you the big picture paper map, does he? Instead, he's more like the GPS and says, hey, take the next turn with me. But God, I want to know where we're going. That's not, that's not your place. You take the next step with me. But I need to know what it looks like so I can decide if I want to follow or not. He said, then you're not really following. Faith says, your will be done. And because that is such a powerful statement of faith, I want us to look very carefully at what it means to understand God's will. As we're in the midst of our series, the Bible doesn't say that. I want us to be real careful with something that many of us believe, even though we may not say it out loud, it's just kind of become our thought process. And that is the misunderstanding that everything that happens is God's will. The Bible doesn't say that. But we usually kind of think that. That if it happened, it must be God's will. One of the reasons I think that, that, we, that we think that, that way is because we understand God has a great plan. And we understand that he's at work in our lives. And we trust him and we have faith in him. So we assume that everything that happened must have been him doing it. But this morning I hope to show you an even deeper faith that I think is more biblical. To help us get there, I want us to... I want us to think about a very difficult time in our nation's history. 
This week, we will remember the attacks that took place on September 11, 2001. The anniversary is this week. We promised right after that event that we would never forget. And we must never forget. One of the ways that we remember is that every year around this time, we talk about it. Let me ask you something. Was God happy about those attacks? Did he want that to happen? Did he want all those people to suffer and die? We have to be real careful when we say or think everything that happens is God's will. I think September 11 is a perfect example of of some things that happened that were not God's will, that he did not want. I think one of the things that causes a little bit of confusion is understanding what the word will means. In Greek, they had two different words. And those words get used interchangeably for us, and that's where some of the confusion comes in. If we could separate the two meanings like they did in Greek, it would help us. One word that we translate as will is a word that means want, wish. When we talk about God's will, we would say, what does God want? The other word for, that we translate as will is a word that means plan. Now, if we could separate these two ideas, it would clear up a lot of confusion for us. God has a plan. And he is going to make sure that plan works out. No one can thwart God's plan. But there is also what God wants. And you and I have many times in our lives thus far done those things that God did not want. We were out of his wishes, his will. So when we talk about God's will, sometimes we, we get it all confused because what we're really talking about is what does God want, but we're applying it as if we're talking about what is God's perfect plan. It's important for us to understand the distinction. One of the reasons that is so important to me is, is a story about Jane and her kids. Jane was about 35 years old when her husband became ill. Before long, he was diagnosed with, with a, a terrible kind of cancer that's a very slow, very painful cancer. In the months ahead, it became clear that Jane's husband was not going to live. Jane and her husband had moved out of the state where their families lived. They were kind of on their own in a way. Jane was going to be left alone to raise her four young children by herself. 
Fortunately, they had a church family, and the people in the church were compassionate and caring. But when Jane's husband passed away, the people in the church stepped up and helped her in a lot of meaningful ways. But they didn't always say the right thing. Some of them told her that her husband's illness and death must have been God's will. That's troublesome. When, you, when trying to bring comfort, they actually made things worse because what is Jane then supposed to teach her four young children about a God who wanted their father to be sick and die? You see, it's a misunderstanding, it's a misapplication of the word will. Those well-meaning people had accepted a very common myth that everything that happens is God's will. The reality is there are things that happen that God does not want to happen. Some of the confusion comes from our understanding of Romans 8 and 28. I want us to look at this real carefully here for just a few minutes because at first reading, I think we all understand it, but if we look carefully, the way it's translated can lead to some misunderstanding. On the screen now is the King James Version of Romans 8, 28. You'll notice it says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. That's the way most of us in the room memorized it. That's the way most of us learned it. King James. We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. If you look at it carefully, the way it's translated in the first phrase, we know that all things work together for good. It almost sounds, doesn't it, if you look at it carefully, it sounds like the things themselves are working together to cause something good. This verse, the way it's translated here, almost suggests that as long as you love God, all of the stuff in life is going to work out. And that's okay. It's just not completely what the verse is trying to say. There's actually a deeper truth that we miss here. Let me show you how it's translated in the New American Standard. Instead of saying that things just kind of eventually work out, the New American Standard translates it this way. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. You see the difference? It's not just that if we hang on and we love God, it's all going to work out. It is that God is actively involved in the process of making all the things work for good. Now, when you look at the New American Standard, also be very careful to read it correctly. It does not say 
that God causes all things. There are things that happen in life that God did not want and he did not cause. For whatever reason, he did choose to allow in his sovereignty. But just because it happened doesn't mean that God wanted it to happen or that he made it happen. What it does mean is that he's still God and even though it happened, he can use it for your good and his purposes. All right, does that ring true? Does that make sense? I know it's a subtle change of thinking, but it's an important change in our thinking. The Bible doesn't say that things just eventually work out if you love God. What the Bible says is bad things happen. But our God is a good God and he can use even the bad things. He can find a way to use them for your good, for his glory. I think it even becomes a little more clear in the NIV. Look at how it's translated in the NIV. We know that in all things, regardless of what's happening, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Whatever's happening, God is still there working. And he will work those things out for the good of those who love him. I remember what I was doing on 9-11. I was at home in the, in the parsonage across the street. I was watching TV before coming over to the office. And I wasn't paying that much attention. It was one of those news, you know, the morning news things. Today Show or whatever. And I actually think I'd kind of dozed off. I heard the announcer on the TV say, a second plane just hit the tower. And that's what woke me up. A second plane? I started paying attention. One plane would have been a terrible accident. Two planes, something's up. I couldn't go to work for a while. I called over here and said, I'm staying home, I'm watching, I've gotta find out what's going on. I'll bet you remember where you were when you heard about it. I know where I was, you know where you were, but where was God? That was a common question in the days after 9-11. Where was God when the towers fell? Where was God when the people were trapped in an inferno? Where was God when the first responders and the other heroes suffered and died? Where was God when the plane crashed in the field in Pennsylvania? Where was God when the wall of the Pentagon exploded in flames? You want to know where he was? He was in my living room while I was watching those events unfold on TV. And he was wherever you were that morning when you heard about it. 
And he was in those towers and on the streets below. And he was in those plains and those offices. And his heart was breaking right along with all of ours. You see, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. What we need to understand is simple. That nothing is bad enough to stop God. In all things, he is working to bring good to those who love him. The power of this verse is in the fact that no matter how bad things get, nothing is bad enough to stop God from continuing to work. No matter how big the mountain is, our God is bigger. No matter how deep the valley is, our God is able to walk through it. No matter how dark the night, our God is able to shine his eternal light. No matter how strong the storm, our God is stronger. Lamentations helps us express that. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Jim Dennison said something years ago that has stayed with me and gotten me through the most difficult times of my life. He said something that really, as I look back over my life, in a way it defines my life. And I want to share it with you because it's so important, I believe, to our theology. And that is that what God allows, he also redeems. Redeem is to bring back, is to, is to fix, is to make beauty from ashes, life from death, joy from sorrow. What God allows, he also redeems. In the midst of all things, God is at work bringing all of those things together in a way that is good for those who love him. He doesn't cause them, he doesn't want them, but he uses them, works it out in our lives. What God allows, he also redeems. Jim Dennison, by the way, that's his Twitter handle. Those of you who are on Twitter, if you're not following Jim Dennison, you need to be. So look him up. One N in Dennison. The danger of this misunderstanding is that it makes it too easy for us to blame God for the bad things that happen in life. Something bad happens. Must be God's will because it happened. If it happens, it must be God's will. God did this. Makes it too easy for us to blame him for those things. If we, if we can't say that bad things are God's will, then why do they happen? I wish, we had, I wish we had more time to play with this and to, and to walk through it carefully. Maybe we'll save it for another day and really spend time on it. But let me just real quickly show you that question. If God doesn't cause the bad things, then why do bad things happen? Real quick, 
There are a number of reasons that it could be. One is our sinful choices. One of the reasons bad things happen to me is I made sinful choices. Look at David in the Bible. David sinned multiple times. And because of that, his life was was changed. He had consequences of his own sin. Sometimes bad things happen because of our foolish choices. Not sinful. I didn't do anything wrong. I was just stupid. You ever do anything stupid? Come on. Not sinful, just stupid. That's why bad things happen. Not because God caused it. I caused it because I wasn't smart. I wasn't using my brain. Sometimes bad things happen because of the choices of others. Wasn't my fault at all. God didn't do it. Someone else made a choice that had a negative impact on my life. That happens all the time. Sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes it is God's judgment. Sometimes God brings difficulties into my life because he loves me so much he disciplines me. But that's sometimes. That's number four out of a list of five. So what's the fifth one? Sometimes bad things happen because we live in a fallen, mixed up, messed up world. Call it dumb luck if you want to. Bad stuff happens because our world is a mixed up, messed up place in which we live. Period. So there are all these reasons that bad things happen. God does not cause everything that happens. Instead of thinking, causes, instead of thinking that God causes everything, I want to get to the point where I can say, God, I want what you want. Whatever that is, I want what you want. Thy will be done. Whatever it is, step by step I'll follow because I want what you want. I want to ask you, are you there this morning? Have you moved beyond the blame game, blaming all the problems in your life on God? Have you moved beyond thinking, well, if it happened, it must be what he wanted. Have you moved to that deeper, more difficult, challenging level of faith where you say, God, I want what you want, whatever that is. So use the bad stuff to fix me, to move me, to change me, to be more like Jesus. I want what you want for my life. Are you there?